welcome to the second episode of the Post-Truth Politics podcast. I'm Asimina Mikhailidou, researcher at the Arena Center for European Studies in the University of Oslo, Norway, and host of today's episode. In today's episode, I am very happy to welcome Shilje Shipham, assistant editor at Factis.no, a non-profit organization and independent editorial office for fact-checking of the public debate and public discourse in Norway. Welcome, Silje. Thank you. Silje is a journalist with a specialism in health matters and is also the chair of the board of the Norwegian Foundation for Investigative Journalism, SCOOP, yes. if I say that correctly, yes. And she has worked for several newspapers, VG, Dagsavisen, Fremtiden, Drammen, Stidende and Nationen, both as reporter and political journalist. So I guess, Silje, you are the perfect person here with your specialism in health matters to ask you the inevitable question about the COVID-19 pandemic that's changed so much in our lives in the past two months. And of course, besides the health uh, dimension of this crisis, it has brought to the surface the problem of fake news and misinformation across the world. So could you give us the journalist's perspective of how the COVID crisis has played into the fake news challenge? There is absolutely no doubt that the COVID-19 crisis has been a spark to the fake news fire. The World Health Organization has uh, declared both a pandemic and an infodemic. And as a journalist and fact checker, I can uh, I completely agree <laughs> with that. What we have seen in Norway since the pandemic started is a huge increase in misinformation and disinformation. And the biggest social media in Norway is Facebook. So a lot of the things I talk about now is is related to Facebook. We see a lot of mis- and disinformation about vaccines, uh, where the virus originated from, cures, how dangerous the virus is, and so on. And we have also seen that uh, mis- and disinformation spreads a lot faster uh, from other countries to Norway than we are used to. Earlier, it could take weeks and even months for uh, fake news to travel from the US, for instance, to Norway. But now we can uh, see in some um, examples that it it, it takes only hours uh, and then Norwegian Facebook users are spreading it as well. So it's quite virulent, this uh, infodemic. What has made the difference in speed? Is it social media or is is it something else? I think that... Uh, Norwegian Facebook users, they uh, are following uh, international groups on Facebook more than they used to. And I also think that um, their interest in the pandemic is so big that they use more time maybe on Facebook. So we can uh, see that both YouTube videos and straight out fake news uh, articles are spreading a lot faster to Norway than we used to. Right. So would you say, is there anything that we could take away from from this infodemic crisis, right, as a lesson for how we could perhaps uh, get citizens to trust, uh, I would say this quote-unquote proper media, news media more? Uh, I hope uh, that people see that uh, it is more important than ever to be critical to every source of information. And I also hope that people see that the proper media uh, gives them the best and most reliable information they can get. 
and I know that Norwegian news outlets have had great numbers on their COVID-19 coverage. People use them a lot. And that's good, but I'm also worried that um, an increasing number of people don't believe in what the proper media are reporting. Uh, I think we can see that in Norway as well. We also see a growing number of Facebook groups for people who don't believe in the mainstream media. And they get their news from sources that aren't trustworthy, and I'm actually quite worried about that. Right. What would you tell uh, people who are listening to this and are thinking, okay, I have to be more critical? What exactly is fake news? How would you define it? The short definition is that fake news is untrue information presented as news. Right. And uh, the most successful fake news can be uh, very hard to detect, even for me, uh, because it can be so convincing. And uh, in faktisk, we actually don't like to use the term fake news because we think that it has kind of lost its its meaning because of Donald Trump using it the way he does. And when he calls news stories, he doesn't like fake news. The term is in a way diluted, uh, loses its uh, meaning. So um, we tend to use misinformation and disinformation more than we use fake news. Right. So w- what is the difference or is there a difference if we say this is misinformation or disinformation? I think that mis- and disinformation are more accurate terms than uh, fake news. And misinformation is false or inaccurate information. But there isn't necessarily a bad intention behind it. Uh, news outlets also can publish misinformation, but then it's because the journalist misunderstood something or they haven't checked out the story well enough or they're accepting something <laughs> on the way. But mis- disinformation has a more dark side to it. This is the kind of false or misleading information that someone uses to deceive or influence someone. And we saw that in the US election, presidential election in 2016, for instance. Another reason can be to earn money. We have seen several examples that this information is used to earn money on Google ads, for instance. This information is is more, <laughs> I think, scary because someone wants something. Yes, someone has a, um, a bad intention in a way. So it's the motive behind the, the, this inaccurate uh, information, right? That makes a difference. So yeah, you mentioned already that you are worried about uh, the way things are developing uh, in Norway uh, also in terms of uh, this uh, infodemic and so I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that. Is it the threat of uh, say misinformation and disinformation in general that you're concerned or is it uh, that the Covid crisis has unleashed something in a way that uh, that you haven't seen before and how how big of a threat is it really to uh, journalism? I think that it's, it's both because We we had mis- and disinformation in Norway before the pandemic, but when COVID-19 came, we saw it's a huge increase. And I think the threat to journalism isn't that big because Norway is ranked number one on the press, World Press Freedom Index. The trust in the media is still high. So I'm not worried about the journalism, but I'm worried about... Uh, people that don't uh, use journalism as a news source 
they use Facebook as their main news source. Actually, I think that uh, the fake news threat can influence journalism in a good way. Okay. Yeah, I think that uh, it makes us journalists having to check our sources even more closely. And we always have to ask ourselves who's behind this information. Why do they want us to have this information? And we have to be even more thorough than we are used to. And I also hope that fake news threat will stop journalists from making like the worst clickbait titles. Because that's the thing that contributes to this distrust in the media. And we should stop using them because people don't click. They don't read the whole story and they just get a title. And parts of the misinformation we see in Norway uh, originates from news stories with a clickbait title or they take someone's quote that they have given to a real journalist and takes it out of context. Or a conflict between someone is over-exaggerated and that is used by the people who spreads misinformation. So if I hear you correctly, there is a bit of a paradox maybe here in Norway in the sense that trust in the media uh, remains high, journalism standards are still high, but somehow people prefer to get their news from Facebook. Is that, do you think, a matter of um, convenience? Like slowly slipping away from the you know proper news uh, outlets and because Facebook is there? Or is it that there is something uh, that makes uh, the news feed on Facebook more attractive for people? Uh, or is it that slowly the trust is also declining towards journalists? I think the main reason is that uh, on Facebook you get what you want because the algorithms uh, make sure that you get more of what you're interested in. So it's if you don't look for other perspectives, you get what you want on Facebook. And I think that's convenient for people. And also uh, Norwegian news outlets, you have to pay to read their stories. And everything in Facebook is free. So I think that too. But still, uh, compared to other countries, we're fortunate in Norway. People uh, trust the media. I, I think there are two groups uh, here. And this, the group that don't ever trust in the media or don't use the media. It's a small group. Mm. I'm worried about that. So, um, I mean, part of your job is to check facts, right? And and um, I was going to ask you about the challenges that the fake news pose to news media. And you said it's actually maybe a positive development, right? Because it makes journalists more aware. But um, could you describe to us what, what is a typical <laughs> day in the office for, for someone who needs to check facts for a living? And... Besides this positive aspect, is there is there anything that you could see as a challenge also uh, for you as a journalist? A typical day is... Uh, Norwegian is a small language, so we don't have good tools to get claims to fact-check. Uh, English speakers do have much better tools, uh, automated uh, checking so that you can get claims to check. You don't have to... You find them yourself, but we have to find them ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we get a lot of tips from people. We have made our own tools, actually, so that we can uh, see which uh, Facebook posts are most spreading. We have uh, cooperation with Facebook so that we get Tangle, for instance. Uh, we check which um, news stories are most spread. Uh, we listen to the politicians. And most of what we check 
isn't fake news. It's we just check regular claims from people. Uh, but most of the claims we we put it all in a big uh, Google sheet. But most of them we don't do for several reasons. It can be too hard to find out, take too much time. You don't have the data you need. Uh, it's not spread enough. So maybe one out of ten claims uh, we collect, we actually fact check. And the fact checking is like normal journalistic methods. We use uh, everything has to be open sourced. Right. So that's the most different from my earlier work as a journalist. Yeah, and it takes time, and, and that's the challenge because fake news travels very fast. It takes minutes to find a picture, uh, make a meme, and you can start spreading it on Facebook. But for us to fact check the same meme can take days or weeks. And when the fact check is finished, it's like, yeah, it never gets the same distribution as the fake news original posted. Uh, there are, um, yeah, several uh, challenges. And I think one of the problems with the fake news looking like uh, regular news stories is that people don't know how to separate it from ordinary journalism. Uh, they don't understand that everything news organizations publishes has to be fact-checked. You have to follow the ethics code and everything. And I think the worst is when people think that journalists just make up stories and sources. And I have met well-educated people who don't understand that we are independent. We don't take money from from anyone. Uh, but I think, oh, yeah, you just write. Uh, whoever pays you most, you write what they like. But one thing I'm worried about is that regular journalism is being used as a basis for fake news. We have some right-wing blogs in Norway, it's quite successful, and they misuse stories from the news outlets to draw their points. And I think that is a problem because they take a quote from someone and misuse that, or they yeah, misunderstand what, what the news story is saying on purpose. And I think that is really problematic yeah so it's uh how would you say this it's a wolf uh, in the in the skin of a sheep right so it it appears to be like proper journalism when in fact uh, it isn't and and by the sounds of it it does take a lot of of resources right to track down and um, by the time uh, you um, identify something as fake news the news has moved on and the yeah the rest of the social media sphere so i i was wondering what would you like to see us as practitioner right how could perhaps us academics help out in this situation um is it yeah perhaps by developing tools or is there any other way we can contribute to this fight the first thing you have to do is you have to work much faster because (laughs) (laughs) right now i think uh, no academic in norway knows more about fake news than we do Science takes time, your research takes time, but it's like in three years, maybe you can say something about what is happening right now. So yeah. the best thing would do <laughs> be if you could work faster. As I said earlier, Norwegian is a small language, so we really need tools to help us both detect the fake news and do the fact-checking and also measuring the impact of fact-checking. In the English-speaking countries, there are a lot of more tools for fact-checkers than we have. And I also, one more thing you can do is to analyze the impact of the fake news uh, on our democracy, because uh, the government is starting to pay attention now. I think they need uh, you 
to do the analysis to provide them with some facts so that they will take right. action. Yeah. So I, I just have to ask you before we get to other things in your work as fact checking uh, journalist. What has been or has have there been any moments where you were completely shocked by the the level of uh, misinformation or by how outrageous a claim is, but how quickly it, it, it spread? Have there been any moments where you have felt uh, also hopeful that, okay, you know, this is not hopeless. We can we can fight this. We can tackle this. Uh, I feel uh, hopeful sometimes, but only for short periods of time. I feel overwhelmed and kind of sad because I feel like we lose the battle almost every day. I hope that the next generation and the young will be better at this than us. So uh, that's that's my hope. In May 2018, we started to see several made-up stories among the most shared stories in Norway. And uh, we hadn't seen that before because... Um, uh, we follow it every day and we so day after day there were some uh for us to us new sites mm-hmm. that were really successful in spreading their news and one of the most popular stories was about the 17th of may the norwegian national day and the story was that if you would get fine if you carried another flag than the norwegian flag that day and this was a viral story and it even spread to real Swedish news outlets uh, okay. because people thought it was true. And uh, we started to look at these uh, sites and we found a network of sites that uh, shared these fake stories. Mm-hmm. And it was like everything that people uh, could get afraid of, like sharks, child custody services, everything you, that creates fear, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and engagements among people. And also kind of uh fun things like humor yeah everything that uh, people like to share on facebook and we found that it was a network with one or two people behind it and they have like i think maybe 10 sites set up and and with names that seemed like uh, real news sites we managed to track them down and they didn't admit it was them what we we kind of know Mm-hmm. Because we we also found uh, we found uh, uh, the Google ads uh, that linked them together. So that was kind of I think we we named them factories of lie. It shocked me that um, one or two people could spread all this misinformation to so many people in so such short time without anyone noticing. Actually, yeah, yeah. But did you get to speak to them? Uh, ask yeah. them about. Uh, their motives? Yeah, but I, they didn't admit that it was them, so they didn't oh, answer that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So they wouldn't even admit that. No, mm. but we we spoke to them. Uh, so, But uh, all these sites are gone now, so I think maybe we ruined it for them. I hope so. So someone who is listening to, to us now um, and thinking, well, if a journalist is struggling with this, well, what can I do as, as, a, as a person? Uh, what would you say? Uh, what would be the advice? Uh, the most important advice is that if a story is too good to be true, it most certainly is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you see something on social media that upsets you and you, all you want to do is you want to share it and you want to write something and you're furious, 
you have to take a deep breath and you have to Google it before you share it. Uh, you can f- try to find if, out if a fact checker has checked the story. Uh, are there any other reliable sources that has reported on the story? You can do reverse image searches. You can Google, Google names and places. Uh, so the most important message is to stop and think and try to do something to find out if it's true. I know it's hard, but um, yeah, can yeah, be done. It can be done. There are discussions and there are initiatives in different countries, uh, actually, where the, the uh, this critical thinking and reading of news is becoming part of uh, the curriculum for the younger generations. Uh, w- would you say that this is uh, this is something that uh, needs to become uh, a permanent f- feature uh, in the children's curriculum, for example? Yes, we have actually. Uh, yesterday, we got uh, five millions Norwegian kroner from the government. To uh, we have a project on our own called Think. Yeah, we have two teachers who work with this, making uh, uh, for uh, children in high school. So I think Norway is uh, in front already in this, uh, but I think uh, you need to get it in every age, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. from kindergarten to mm. to university because mm. it's so important. So I think we start we we are starting to get somewhere in Norway, but um, still, yeah, I have kids, two kids of my own, and I I try to teach them how to avoid fake news and mm-hmm. it's really hard because you don't my son is 11 and he's watching youtube and tiktok the whole time and i i it's really really hard for me to <laughs> to uh, uh, be updated on what he sees mm-hmm. so i try to like when he tells me something i try to ask him oh questions so that he can make up his own mind if it's true or not it's really hard and he's getting really tired of it. So he tells me to do the fact-checking at work and not at home. <laughs> I, I, I can empathize with this because I also have a nine-year-old who is always on YouTube uh, and uh, not so much TikTok anymore. But um, I remember when I started talking to him about those things, he was a bit, uh, he could not understand why someone would lie, right? Uh, the concept of lying on purpose to trick others was very um he was partly fascinated and pa- partly i think a bit scared like who are these people but uh yeah i suppose all we can do is uh, just keep repeating it and uh, be a bit annoying uh, moms at home but then it's good if the school reinforces right so this could be perhaps one thing uh if norway is at the forefront that other um democratic uh, countries can can learn right in this um in this fight uh, against uh, misinformation and disinformation. Is there anything else that you think uh, other countries outside of um, the Scandinavian uh, or Nordic zone perhaps um, could uh, could take away as, as lessons or, or as uh, strategies um, uh, in how to tackle um, misinformation, but also in how to uh, increase trust in, in professional journalists? Uh, I think we're fortunate in Norway because we don't have uh, uh, prime ministers or presidents uh, screaming fake news and <laughs> increasing the distrust. So the leaders have to like lead. Uh, but it's hard because there are historic matters be- why we are so fortunate in Norway. But 
I think in my uh, work as at the Foundation for Investigative Journalism, uh, I talk to a lot of journalists in other countries. Uh, we go to conferences and seminars and everyone tells about their jobs. I think uh, training journalists and editors are really, really important uh, because if you are trained, it's it's harder to attack you in a way. Yes. And we see like in several countries, uh, journalists getting attacked for the work they do, uh, including from the leaders. And we also have an increase in the collaboration uh, between countries. And we have seen uh, several huge stories starting with Panama Papers and all those leaks where people from 100 different countries uh, work together to do new stories and I think we need more of that. Uh, is there anything that um, Norway could learn from how other countries are trying uh, or even maybe not trying to um, uh, tackle this, uh, this uh, challenge? I think uh, Norwegian politicians need to understand and face the challenge but because I think it's starting to They're starting to get it now, but we we have been working with this for four years almost. And when we started, it was like, oh, there are no fake news in Norway, and they don't see it, and they don't. Uh, I don't think they understand uh, the challenges in a way. So I don't know if there are any leaders in other countries that do, but um, I think they need to open their eyes and start finding out what to do about it. Yes, so not to be so complacent maybe about how good everything is about our democracies, but maybe more try to uh, protect what we have more actively. Um, so that, that that makes me think, um, it seems, uh, also hearing, hearing you uh, describe the situation, that, that this global phenomenon of fake news It's uh, given life, if you like, by the way, we're all interconnected globally. But it sounds as if slowly maybe professional journalists are moving towards reaching out uh, to support uh, each other across countries. Or could you say that that there is a sign of, uh, let's say, solidarity and collaboration uh, among journalists across the the globe? And are we also maybe moving towards some sort of... um, dare I say, global standards for how to do professional journalism? Yes, I think so. Uh, Every second year there is a big uh, conference for investigative journalism. It's global. And I went to, it was in in Germany last uh, autumn. And then there were 1800 journalists from all over the world. The journalists that come there, they talk about their work and they share everything, they, the best tricks, the best tools, they share with their competitors and with others. So I think we are um, much more interested in collaboration and the same thing with uh, fact checkers as well. I think they're fact checkers from 100 countries or something mm-hmm. uh, just by sending an email and they can help with tools, translations, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, it's uh, more like uh, open source uh, journalism yeah. on a global scale, yeah. it sounds like. That yeah. sounds very um, positive and yeah. optimistic. Um, 
So our very insightful conversation uh, draws to a close. There is one more question uh, I'd like to put to you, and this is how do you deal with um, fake news in in your daily life uh, in the sense that, okay, you have to check things uh, to see if they're correct or not, but um, how do you switch off from that? And are there ever any moments where you as a fact checker experience um, attacks or, or uh, you know, you're questioned, if you like, on forums and so on about your integrity? Uh, I try to uh, avoid fake news in my private life but it kind of it's hard because yeah you know my facebook feed is full of it because i yeah i'm in all those groups we have uh, uh, not seen many attacks on our integrity but we're really afraid of it because we have seen it in other countries on on fact checkers so we never like uh, do comments on our from our private accounts, mm. for instance. We try to lie low. We have our bylines uh, lost in the stories. We don't have pictures uh, in the stories. So we try to like protect ourselves. And I have closed down all my uh, social media accounts. Nothing is opened. So you can see my name, but that's it. Right. You can't get in there and get to see pictures of my children or things like that. Sometimes they try, but there hasn't been any hard attacks hard attacks no no okay well that's uh, that's uh, definitely a good thing to know uh, because that's not how the situation is developing in 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 other countries right uh, so if if you were to offer any sort of like last words of encouragement to colleagues in countries where yeah they struggle with uh, fake news and misinformation is uh, even greater because there is no support from the political establishment or you know society what would you say to them i would say that uh, they are doing a really really important job and uh, that they uh, have to keep working what they do is is uh, so important to people and I can't even imagine what it must be like for them because we are so fortunate in Norway to have, we are well-funded, we don't get attacked. Of course, people are mad at us as well, but they don't attack us. And they have to use the international network and use the colleagues in other countries to help them. Great. Thank you very much, Silje, for offering such great insights into the fake news challenge and uh, uh, that we are closing this conversation with a, a note of optimism, right? So this was Silje Schiphan, a Norwegian journalist on the first line of action against fake news and misinformation. And we discussed the effects of fake news on Nordic and global politics for episode two of the Post-Truth Politics podcast. I'm Asmina Mikhailidou, your host for today, and thank you very much for listening. Please tune in again for our next episode on Post-Truth Politics. 